Hello and welcome. You are listening to the 212 Podcast. And we are here to bring you another episode to force feed down your pipes. If you like what you hear, give us a like and subscribe. Our next guest on the podcast today is Indie Folk Royalty, the antonym to fingers down a chalkboard, the snake charmer of lullabies sending you into a whimsical spiral into tranquility. Also a very top bloke. He hails from Gothenburg and has had top 10 albums in several countries, as well as his love for clean one-word hit song titles such as Heartbeats, Crosses, and Teardrop. Please welcome to the podcast, Jose Gonzalez. How are you and where are you today, Jose? Hi, I'm, I'm great. I'm, uh, I'm in Gothenburg in my studio, so at home in Sweden. Awesome. And I guess one of the things that we normally talk about is just where people grew up and, and how they got into their love for music. And you you grew up in Gothenburg, as far as I, I can read. You know, yeah. where, how did you get started and what were your influences when you were growing up from kind of childhood to teens? So I grew up with my brother and sister in a, uh, at first in a suburb to Gothenburg where, where there were many immigrants until I was seven years. And uh, during that time, uh, there, there are some photos when I'm sitting with the headphones on and, and listening to my parents uh, cassettes and, and LPs and that was uh, Argentinian folklore and uh, uh, and also uh, Silvio Rodriguez from Cuba who later became one of my main influences uh, but there were probably other things that I put on and, and just uh, <laughs> checked out <laughs> and uh, so and before the my teens and my, my sister is four years older so she had a collection of Bob Marley and that that was Good, I thought. Uh, Terence Trent Darby also. Uh, can't be and, a bit. Can't uh, yeah. be, a, be a bit of Terence Trent Darby. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned the immigrant I, culture I, there. How was that helping? Yeah. How did that help? Kind of you when you were growing up. Did that? Because uh, Sweden does yeah, have um, a lot of immigration. Yes, um, and and uh, I mean I'm born '78, so so between '78 and '85. Most immigrants were from where I was living were from Chile, Argentina, Uruguay, but then also uh, other parts of the world. And and uh, and I was a child, so I didn't think about it too much. It was you know that was normal. But at the age of seven, my uh, we we moved into the city center, and then my friends were a bit more 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 Swedish friends than. than before, but my best friend was from Eritrea, so it's, it was still, you know, mixed. And um, yeah, as a child, I didn't think about it too much. I had Spanish from home and, and Swedish with my friends, and um, and I, I I didn't personally I didn't have that many sort of problems with my background. But my my younger brother is only one year younger. He he had a classmate that was uh, that came from a Nazi family <laughs> like one of the main Nazi families in in Sweden <laughs> they, they actually had a swastika in their living room when, as we grew up so so he had a different experience but but me personally I, I didn't, it wasn't a thing that I thought about too much it, uh, later I feel like I've had the opportunity to get in touch with more types of 
cultures, uh, especially in terms of music. Uh, did you so did you go around their, their house and see that and you were kind of like oh this is this yeah. is real bad yeah i mean he was uh he, he was a rowdy uh, kid in, in in that class and and uh so in a way it was i felt a bit sorry for him because he didn't know anything else he came from a strange family with strange ideas <laughs> but yeah yeah they we we walked around there the neighborhood where he lived and and saw the swastika once and yeah and and I mean they were they were organized so so his dad was one of the main organizers for one of the biggest Nazi demonstrations uh, that in the 90s um, but but yeah since then uh, he's he's friendly we we see each other <laughs> on the streets once in a while and we say hi and used to play soccer and so it's it's a weird weird world but, uh, but yeah, trying to get back to music. Yeah, I tried to get back to music. I, um, yeah, so I felt like I, I got the Latin American music from home, uh, and then of course my sister inspired me, and then but then with the teenage years, that's when everything blossomed in a way, and I found my own styles and my friends' styles. Uh, but yeah, no no instruments uh, from youth. Uh, I I tried to like uh, all kids we. Get to play the flute for a while when you're seven, eight. Then around the age of ten, you you get to choose an instrument, uh, and I chose uh, bass and guitar. But I I learned a bit and then let it go just uh, after a couple of months. So it wasn't until I was thirteen, fourteen when when everything, in a way, started. Both with listening to other styles of music, but also learning how to play both bass and, and guitar. What was the what was the scene like growing up there? Did it was it were you able to kind of blossom? Like what were your influences growing up from a Swedish perspective? Because I guess you've you yeah. speak about the Argentinian influences or South American influences, but were there any kind of Swedish bands that you listened to? Yeah, yeah. So so now I'm switching from from uh, young age to thirteen, fourteen, and uh, that's when I I was skating. I was uh, hanging out with my friends. Uh, and the music that uh, that they were listening to was was uh, was punk. Uh, was also I uh, also started to play basketball for a while, and and then it was uh, hip hop. So so the Swedish bands that I listened to were mainly punk bands or or a couple of a few uh, hip hop bands. But um, so so at that time I wasn't really into the sort of Sort of folky Swedish music that I found uh, afterwards, um, or also the classical music uh, and jazz. So, uh, so yeah, when I was 14, it was mainly punk and and uh, and hip hop, so Trap Called Quest and uh, De La Soul, and uh, and on the punk side it was Black Flag, Misfits, and and uh, uh, one of my uh, best friends uh, that we later started the. My first band, Back Against the Wall, he he was into record collecting, as a really early, so he had uh, both a really complete collection of of Misfits, Black Flag, and and of uh, Dinosaur Junior, which which also became one of my favorite bands. Yeah, it's in some ways like similar to I guess Alexis on Fire and then Dallas Green. You kind of went from punk band influence growing up and then this kind of softer singing is there 
Is there something yeah. different for you in both or both just, are they just music to you? They are just music, but I, but I think it's, uh, you sort of have to, at that age, you have to look it through the lens of, of me being uh, uh, 14, 15, learning, learning how to play the guitar at home and, and uh, feeling like I, I was pretty good at learning. So, so I was learning figure, finger picking through Silvia Rodriguez and, and, and some Beatles songs. And, and then my father got so excited that he asked me to, to play all the songs that he used to sing when he was a teenager with his friends. Since he didn't play the guitar, he asked me to, to could you play this one or this one? And <laughs> handed me just uh, lots of notes of uh, Bossa Nova and, and Beatles. So, so that was on one side. And on the other side, I was hanging out with my friends and started this uh, punk band playing bass in that. And, and then later the hardcore band with my other friends. Uh, so I had this, uh, you know, parallel worlds uh, where I was doing my homework. I was uh, learning Spanish guitar and then later classical guitar. But, but of course, with my friends, it was more about, you know, skating and, and playing loud. <laughs> Punk's kind of seen as a little bit like rebellious as well. Is there something in you as well that was kind of rebelling against the Latin music that you were listening to at home? Um, yeah, I mean, it was a general rebelliousness uh, against, um, not not necessarily against the, the music from home, because I never felt like I was against that <laughs> or, or thought it was uh, bad. But I, I, of course, I didn't sort of play that for my friends <laughs> and try to get them to get hooked on Mercedes Sosa. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so I, in a way, it was more about enjoying different things in different settings. Uh, and um, and uh, in a way, I was a, a bit rebellious. I wasn't like uh, you know stealing cars like some of my friends, but uh, but I did uh, start early with uh, with beer and and uh, hanging out late uh, later than my parents wanted to. But but yeah, nothing super unusual, I would say. Uh, I would still get good grades at at school and do my homework, and and I wasn't even like a smart kid. I just spend a lot of time reading because I was a slow reader. So, so uh, yeah, I would say that I had uh, two sides. <laughs> did it, did it take you a while to show, I mean, you said that you're not, you weren't going to with your, to your friends that were listening to, I don't know, the punk or, or whatever your skateboarder friends listening to hip hop. You, did it take you a while before you showed your friends like your Latin music influence? Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought about just the other day how I introduced them to Silvia Rodriguez when uh, we started Junip, and so this is uh, late '90s, and, uh, and the drummer in Junip was also part of the hardcore band, the organ and keyboard player in Junip. He he used to sing in a in another hardcore band, but when we formed Junip, we were interested in in bands like Low and Songs Ohia and Cat Power. And, um, and when we were trying to figure out what we wanted to do that, that felt different, I, I introduced them to Silvio Rodriguez uh, because there was a couple of songs where, where he actually produced with, with Moog synthesizer. And, and I, so I remember them getting excited by this, uh, this vibe and, uh, and how we could have a sound with a nylon string guitar, but, but adding on the, the Moog and, and the organ. And and they were at that time we already sort of 
we we had so many years of uh, of hardcore and death metal and and punk and hip hop so so we were already listening to other styles so it wasn't uh, uh, I sort of expected them to get it in a way. <laughs> But some people like don't even they don't. I mean, maybe sometimes in, when you're growing up, you don't really see how great that exposure is to so many different things. I mean, you're talking about the, mm. you know, like you like you said, the skateboarding side is is the hip hop. You've got your the Latin American music when you're at home, and then you've got mm. you know you speak English, you've got Swedish, you've got Spanish. I mean, you don't really see how good that connection is until you get older. In hindsight, that must have really shaped you. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, I mean, uh, it felt obvious uh, the first year when I released my music in 2003. Uh, I mean, I released uh, Seven Inch before that, but in 2003, when I started doing interviews and my album went on the charts in Sweden, that's when I noticed that uh, people thought I was different. <laughs> it was, um, they, they associated to flamenco, to Latin American music. At the same time as I felt like it was extremely <laughs> uh, Anglo-Saxon, it, it was. Uh, I was thinking about the bands from US and UK mainly. So, um, but but they were hearing stuff that, of course, came from my Spanish uh, classical guitar, and, and then also Silvio, of course, uh, Cuban music. And yeah, now now I feel like I've had. When I look back at my life, I'm I'm really happy that I got a mixed uh, background and. And uh, the last decade, I've sort of accelerated that to to mix my background even more and and expose myself to music from all, all around the world, basically. Did you did you sing at home as well as a family? Um, yeah. So my my dad was very musical and I used to sing all the time. Uh, he loved uh, sort of both singing songs and and jamming. <laughs> so there's a cassette tape of us him. Uh, doing this, uh, yeah, wordless uh, melodies, uh, and I just uh, follow him when I was uh, super tiny. Uh, and my mom, she, my mom and my brother mainly, they, they're they, they're okay to <laughs> to mention that they can't sing. <laughs> <Really>. <laughs> so but they, but you wouldn't put them on stage with you. No, no, no. And uh, my sister, uh, she she dances a lot and she sings a bit, but. And, uh, so it's uh, mainly the the musicality comes from my dad, and as a family, uh, I feel like it was there was music around, but it wasn't like uh, some families where you have music all the time. <laughs> yeah, do you did you when you I guess in in hindsight now or 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 even you know as as you've grown as an artist, can you see any? I mean, I guess it's lumps in, when you say Scandinavia, you kind of lump yeah. multiple countries in at the same time. But you also do yeah. that with, with Latin America as well. And I wondered if there's any influence between the Latin culture and the Scandinavian culture that you can see. Yeah, it depends on where you are, I guess. Um, I mean, the differences are, are usually pretty obvious to, to, <laughs> to any Argentinian <laughs> or who moved to Sweden or, or, a, or a Swede who moved to Argentina. Where um, Argentinians are more lively, they like the asados, where you hang out and, and talk loud and, and sing. <laughs> and Swedish culture has this more Jekyll and Hyde type of culture, which is, I guess, uh, common to the Nordic countries, maybe even to the northeastern part of Europe, where where 
uh, you have this working ethics uh, so you work work hard and then the weekend you, you drink vodka and <laughs> what a confusing it. mix <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but then of course similarities uh, yeah maybe if you compare the southern argentina the countryside then then you probably see similarities to the countryside in sweden and then there's a uh, one funny similarity between Finland and Argentina with the tango <laughs> but they're still trying to figure out who came who was first <laughs> I don't I don't know that one so, so what is it so Finland are known for the tango also and um, yeah there there are uh, I mean there might be historians who know this but but the, I, what I've heard is that it's still being discussed like how, how the tango came about and and uh, of course there's been influences cross influences since once it got started but but uh, you have the roots from tango maybe coming from from finland but then of course uh, the tango culture being a very buenos aires uh, thing but yeah that's a kind of <laughs> funny <laughs> coincidence you know or like a historical coincidence have you been um, did, did you go to where your your parents were were from in Argentina. Have you been there? Oh yeah. So so yeah. I, so we we were basically uh, very poor as a family. So so I was uh, we were collecting money. <laughs> I mean, my my parents uh, were in a way like they were begging on the street and in, in Rio to get to, and then they got to Sweden and in Sweden as I grew up, uh, we wanted to go back to Argentina as soon as the the dictatorship uh, wasn't there and um, so i remember selling bread and uh, croissants uh, to neighbors <laughs> to get get money to to make our first trip as a family so when uh, i think it was 85 that we went there and and then of course we visited both my my dad's uh, family and and home uh, and uh, my mom's uh, so mendoza where my dad's from and then this little village Buena Esperanza, where my mom is from. Uh, so that was the first time, and since then I've been there a couple of times. Awesome! It just, uh, it just, did it make your, <laughs> did it make your parents make more, more uh, sense to you? I guess when you when you went there, did like you could see the how they would have grown up, or, or were you going when you were a child it, as well? Yeah, I mean, uh, it uh, it opened up my eyes, of course, because before that uh, it. It had all been uh, stories that I heard from my parents and my parents' friends that also fled to to Sweden, and uh, yeah, just meeting all my my cousins and seeing the apartments and the house where where my parents grew up. Uh, that that of course became, you know, everything fell into place in a way. <laughs> of course, you said as well your parents moved over to Sweden because they wanted to better themselves in some way. Was that? Yeah, they they fled out of political reasons, and uh, many of their uh, friends and and people they knew about from from university, their university times, uh, got tortured or 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 killed. So they were lucky, actually. The, they fled um, through Paraguay and and through Brazil, where they had half a year of uh, going from embassy to embassy to see which country could help them out, because uh, even Brazil wasn't safe. Uh, this whole um, uh, was a big uh, uh, project in a way from among the 
Southern American countries to stamp out uh, communism. And, and uh, so anyone that was left leaning was also like a target. So yeah, they, uh, they didn't choose uh, Sweden, but, but they, they was basically the, the first uh, country that, that asked them if they wanted to come. So thank God they yeah, didn't get out yeah. as we wouldn't have Jose Gonzalez. <laughs> 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 would have been a different uh, person <laughs> exactly but, uh, yeah so so uh, so yeah and uh, they uh, they they got to to sweden and uh, with my sister that was two years old at the time and then uh, later made me and my brother and uh, yeah <laughs> and you mentioned university as well there as well i mean you studied yeah. <laughs> you studied biochemistry and you hear of some yeah. professions where it's a little bit more uh, music's a perfect example where it's a little bit kind of more seen as a little bit more of a dangerous risk taking in terms of you know whether you can make it or not did you have that yeah. in your back of your mind as like almost like a bit of a, a backup uh yeah definitely i mean um so so the way what happened was that i i enjoyed math chemistry and and uh, biology and noticed that i was uh, yeah pretty good at that so i i chose that path knowing that uh, music could could still be my my hobby in a way uh, or advanced hobby <laughs> if you like it so yeah once once i started studying at the university in molecular biology i, I kept on going with my music and uh, and at times actually accelerated my music with different bands i was playing in i was playing in a both with my my hardcore band in in gothenburg but then also a indie rock band from a town nearby and from another town I, I played with a sort of more like emo emo band and we did um, tours uh, around Sweden and, and uh, Europe and this was uh, sort of uh, very very like 90 98 99 and 2000 and uh, yeah I remember when when I yeah from from molecular biology I went into my PhD studies uh, in biochemistry and, uh, and yeah, once I, uh, my music started to get uh, uh, known, I, I got to to choose. <laughs> like I, I asked my my professor if I could uh, take a half year break <laughs> to to try the music, and and uh, I remember my mother being a bit uh, wary and and uh, wondering if this was the right thing to do. Can't you just uh, play on, on weekends and <laughs> see how it goes? Uh, but it was. It was pretty clear as soon as I released my first EP, Crosses EP, in um, I think it was May 2003, and uh, it got played so much on the radio and, and uh, the Swedish uh, version of MTV, Sata TV, that it was pretty obvious that I was I was able to play pay my rent for a long time <laughs> without uh, going back to to studies. So 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 yeah, I, I went up for a coffee with my professor, and we both. Like, yeah, you're not coming back, right? No, I'm. <laughs> but <laughs> when I had did, that half year. When did it hit for you, though, as well, though? Like, did, was there like a light bulb moment where you were like, oh, shit, I can actually, I can do this? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I remember it pretty clearly. It's, uh, I mean, in my mind, releasing this EP and then the album was, uh, I was looking at a, what I thought was an indie hit album. <laughs> so I thought it was going to go good and, uh, my label were also very excited, but they, they uh, so Joachim and Magnus, they were both from major labels. 
so they were treating my music as it was uh, as if it was uh, like a major release uh, so in my mind i was thinking yeah maybe we sell 10,000 records uh, and then that's it and then i go on to next album but they were uh, able to to uh, to reach both radio and and uh, i also got to play one of the main festivals without an album and uh, so so i think that the big switch was uh, for me when I realized this was bigger than I thought was uh, the the week when uh, Crosses was played on the radio as a the the, the song of the week, the song of the the hit hit <laughs> and uh, what was it called the hit uh, hit Hits. warning Hits. <laughs> they called yeah, it yeah. Uh, and also Saturday had like the 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 video of the week and I was in my small apartment and and uh, yeah I could see my name everywhere and hear, hear myself on the radio and watch TV and every hour my video would come on. So that was uh, a aha moment. And, uh, and it was the main, main switch also when, when after that I was able to play as many shows as I wanted to in Sweden. Uh, and I actually did play, I think about um, 150 shows uh, in, uh, in those two uh, first years. So I went to every little town in in Sweden. And I can hear you and smiling I, smiling about it now when you're talking about it because you must it must just bring back like a, a like a real joy for you. Yeah, it was it was crazy and um and uh, now it's also crazy from from the standpoint that it's this was before YouTube before uh, socials uh so which meant that my music was really well known in Sweden but not in, uh, in like Denmark, for example, that, that's really close and, and one of the Nordic countries. So, so it was very isolated. So yeah, I'm, I'm smiling for many reasons. One, one is the big switch, but uh, I remember that we, uh, since my setup is so, so tiny, it was just me and the sound engineer and we would uh, tour in uh, my Volvo, red Volvo and uh, we, Sweden is pretty big. Uh, uh, in terms of surface so so yeah we're driving like mad all around sweden <laughs> with my guitar do you miss those days Jose? <laughs> not really because <laughs> <laughs> now I, i've gotten used to um less touring and more more time at home but but yeah i mean there's uh, always things that are nostalgic i think in both with the punk days and the skateboard days and and also the early touring days when you would sleep at people's uh couches and and, uh, and also hang out a lot with after shows it was uh, really in a way more decadent i remember so i, I uh, associate the the volvo with the uh, feeling hungover and just <laughs> in the back and, and sleeping <laughs> yeah what um, what did you uh, i mean you mentioned uh, sweden now i guess one of the big helped for you in 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 spreading the music would be i think it'd be fair to say would be that you that a lot of the majority of your songs you sing in in english so when did you yep. get big outside of of sweden yeah so so i mentioned my my label imperial records uh, magnus and joachim they they had uh, the idea of uh, first we do sweden and then we do london <laughs> so so around 2004 Four and five. That's when I started going to London uh, about ten times a year, 
and did all kinds of little shows and lots of interviews and uh, and then um, once the once we released the album and with Peace Frog Records and and Heartbeats got uh, picked up by uh, the Sony Bravia ad, then um, uh, completely different level. So I was already doing pretty good shows, uh, like thousand capacity venues, but then with with the advert, then um, it really just took off, and and it was uh, then it spread of course to Australia. <laughs> I uh, I you. I'm that that advert. I mean, I'm originally from the UK, from Brighton in the south, and I I will just remember growing up and seeing that advert. But it's so rare to have an advert synonymous with a with a song. Do you still get people like coming up to you asking you about that? Uh, not so much nowadays, but it, but it was a big part of my you know 2000. About a decade, it was only that in a way. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say only that, but it was, uh, yeah, a lot of it was um, uh, on interviews. It was always mentioning heartbeats, always mentioning the advert. And, uh, but now, uh, lately, it's maybe it's part of what people know about me and but um, need to know more about it. But, uh, but yeah, it was, it was huge. It was uh, one of those adverts that, that won lots of prizes and they handpicked my music for it uh, so it wasn't like a very silly song uh, which uh, worked better than many people expected <laughs> so it's weird it's weirdly hip hypnotic you know like some people like you know they find yeah. uh, painting therapeutic but if you if you do watch it in that slow motion do you, did you watch it when you when you saw it and thought actually you know I, this is this is that I, I quite like this yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, i mean i I, they told me what they were gonna do, and I, and I thought, okay, this this is gonna be big. But then I think uh, the aha moment was when when they told me that they were gonna buy, I think one and a half minute of advert time before one of the biggest uh, soccer games, and that's when I realized how much money <laughs> they were spending on yeah. this advert. It was crazy because, uh, yeah, and we were actually, I think we were in. UK. I have a vague memory of seeing, like being at a pub when the advert came on, and uh, and yeah, it was eerie, eerie long. <laughs> yeah, my my barometer for success is always to do with football games as well. So uh, I definitely yeah. feel like you would have. <laughs> your your kind of music is described as 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 like indie folk. What 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 do you? describe it as and do you even like labeling it yeah to me it, it's never been important but i it's it's good to to have labels so you can talk about it so i used to when i was younger i used to say uh, yeah i play guitar and sing and then what type <laughs> so so in a way like indie folk helps people uh, to understand a bit more i i try to mention Paul Simon, but then also Nick Drake, and then so so it's uh, I'm okay with labels, but I see it as something that that uh, record stores need more than I do. <laughs> yeah, do they try and pigeonhole you sometimes? Do they like if you hear people try and explain <laughs> what type of music you are? They're trying to like give an example of someone like you. Yeah, and uh, which is totally fine. I uh, everyone has their references, and and we need to 
uh, nowadays you can just uh, pick up your phone and play it <laughs> but before that <laughs> you, you needed to explain it and then uh, yeah uh, and uh, of course um, i think it depends on which songs you're you're listening to and nowadays i have a bigger mixture of songs so so it, uh, in a way i need more labels <laughs> Do you still listen to, are you still heavily listening to uh, different types of music as well as making your own music? Yeah, yeah. So I'm, uh, I really enjoy music from, from uh, all around the world. And, and uh, it's been one of my aims when I'm, when I'm DJing, uh, which happens not too often, but it's about 20, 30 times. Uh, then, then it's been really fun to, to mix uh, uh, African, Latin American and some Asian uh, mixed with Swedish and uh, uh, yeah, as long as it's danceable and and uh, and happy, it's uh, it's one been one of the main things I I try to focus on when I'm DJing. But but it's also been I've had a couple of friends from from my hometown that have hip hop clubs, so I also DJed only hip hop uh, DJ sets. <laughs> so that's been fun too. Because if you if you uh, so, did do the full gamut of your of what you actually like, you'd be you'd be crying and you'd be and you'd be happy at the same time if you played all the types of music <laughs> that you do like. <laughs> yeah, maybe, but but uh, but yeah, no, I I'm I'm really I, I really enjoy danceable music uh, in uh, in a in a club setting, and uh, and to me it's been yeah I rather I rather play. Uh, Music where where people are happy dancing than that they are dancing on their own in a corner. <laughs> do you think do you think you'd ever like kind of switch it up and 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 you know given that your love you, you do have a love for hip hop and and rap do you think you'd ever go down that route at all? Not at all. No. no. <laughs> Your so rapping's that bad. <laughs> yeah, I I never really tried, but uh, but I I I feel like I'm. There, there are many things that I like to listen to, but I don't feel like I need to try to do everything I like uh, to listen to. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Which That's is fair. pretty, pretty obvious, I guess. But, uh, but yeah. So the what I've fun to do is uh, produce uh, beats, uh, and and uh, when I say produce, it's very simple. So only like a couple of bars. So it's not uh, like full songs producing them. Uh, and I and that's what I. It's been fun to to add on on this new album. Where, the drum machine. Yeah. And you said in the, the, um, the, I've read an article where you said about in the financial times that, uh, you're happier when I'm not trying to be an artist. And I, and I wondered how hard that is. Does it come naturally to you? And, or does sometimes you just kind of not want to conform to what someone else kind of expects of you? You're kind of like, Oh God, not today. Well, I, I think, what used to happen when I was younger that was that I wanted to have my artistry and and my personal person <laughs> to be separate, and that in a way it was uh, life was harder than <laughs> so now it's more it's easier to in a way not not to not try too hard to to be an artist just try to you know play well sing well write good songs and then the rest will follow. I mean, of course, I'm aware of my artistry, and and uh, it's been almost two decades now. So in a way, I'm already done the hard work in terms of finding my style and and finding something that people like, so I can 
pay my rent. And then uh, also in terms of clothing, I'm, I've been uh, sort of thinking if I need to switch style for the new album and I decided not to. I'm happy with my uh, Hawaiian shirts and overshirt. <laughs> uh, so, so in a way, I'm, I don't need to rethink myself too much nowadays. Uh, but, but in the, I would say the first decade, I was uh, a bit more anxious, more uh, concerned about what people thought and yeah, still sort of struggling with my image in a way. And I do want to get to the new album and, and the kind of like new you and the discoveries, but going back to kind of Junip in, in, in the, you know, the, I guess the artistry, I mean, how yeah. hard is it to, it's a two piece. So, I mean, how, how hard is it to find people that you completely riff off, you know, who you completely, mm-hmm. who you, you can completely get, get. Yeah. Uh, so, so this, this takes me back to late nineties. I was uh, playing, yeah, in the hardcore band, uh, we were called Sweet Little Sinister at the time. And, um, me and, uh, Elias, the Elias Araya, the drummer, we, we were listening to all kinds of music and, and, uh, and it was always us two doing the most of the stuff for the band too, for the hardcore band. So, uh, so once we decided to try something else it was first just us two and then he thought that we could invite Tobias Winterkorn who uh, just moved to Gothenburg from Vanishbori and uh, he we knew he came from the hardcore background so he would sort of understand us but at the same time he was really into synths and and an organ and uh, so uh, so that was a bit of a in a way, a gamble, like uh, inviting him and see see what happened, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that turned out to be a really cool combination, I, I would say, nylon uh, string guitar and, and organ and, and drums. But uh, I guess before that and after that, it was mostly about just uh, you know someone knew about me, so they invited me to a band, and uh, or I asked around like, okay, who's the who who can sing and and also the keyboards. At the same time, <laughs> when we're searching for additional musicians for for Junip or for or for uh, my live band, both you as the, the, both you as an individual and Junip, they have this kind of calm, melodic uh, music. And I, I saw you at um, Hop Farm Festival yeah, a long yeah. time ago for both of us, probably. Um, but it was a yeah, yeah. it was a really still day. And everyone yeah. was just mm-hmm. completely quiet. And I, I would say that is arguably harder to do than in-your-face rock bands. Would would you? <laughs> yeah, it depends on the setting. I mean, I'm, the the first uh, two years when I toured with my guitar were really hard because it was like 50-50. Uh, half of the time, people were just talking and, and some, some people in the crowd – Got annoyed on the other people that were talking. <laughs> there was even a bar fight once. <laughs> but uh, but after that, uh, people knew what they were getting when when they came to my shows. So um, so then people were quiet and and sort of enjoyed the quietness. Um, and uh, yeah, if you play loud, people tend to get loud too. So so uh, yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I, I, do you do you remember the, the setting, I guess. Hop Farm, Festi- Hop Farm Festival. It's, it sounds uh, familiar. Was it in 2000? It was in like Kent. And I can't remember who was playing, Kent. but it was it. 
I, I guess to your point where you're saying, you know, it, it depends on the crowd. I mean, the crowd that year were, I think it was like Bruce Forsyth, it was Richard Ashcroft, it was Peter Gabriel, yeah. it was yeah. all of these <laughs> other artists that yeah. um, I get up and, and, and go. But I mean, yeah. it seemed like everyone just stopped and listened. <laughs> and, and you say it was Junip or was it me solo? It was you. It was you. It was me. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, uh, that's cool. And, and it's it's been a feature. I, I know many promoters that that uh, put on my show and, and they were like uh, sort of almost ready to apologize for the audience. And then all of a sudden the audience is quiet. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess there's a mixture of people sort of knowing what to expect at sometimes and other times just sort of enjoying what's coming out of the speakers and not wanting to uh, disturb. <laughs> and sometimes uh, out of a, uh, not to disturb the, the your neighbor who's uh, <laughs> closing their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> you, and you, the, the other thing as well, you know, to, left field, but the, you know, the, the advert, but also, you know, do you get any pleasure from, or, or glee from hearing it, for having your songs played on movies or TV, you know, like for me, like Junip and that, uh, and Walter Mitty, which you must get a fair amount. I mean, there was, there's all these other shows that you've appeared on. Do you get any, uh, thrill or enjoyment from, from your music being played in, in those kind of settings? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's always fun to see when, when, uh, especially when you know that, uh, sort of maybe the director wanted, a specific song on an important scene. So yeah, I mean, I see that uh, TV series and movies are art too, and and uh, so I, I always feel like there's a sense of uh, gratitude that that the music seems to work that well that people want to make it part of their <laughs> their TV series or movie. Have you uh, have you got any that you didn't feel were right? Uh, there's of course. Uh, some ads and some series that I don't that, that I don't uh, <laughs> I don't like or, or enjoy that much, but it's not like it it bothers me. It's like ah, oh, I don't watch it. <laughs> so so no, it's not a it's usually not a big deal. Um, um, uh, but but uh, so what stands out is usually when when uh, becomes like a hit in itself, like. Uh, Teardrop being used on the uh, Michael Jordan documentary. That was a big moment in the TV series. Uh, another one was uh, when they used uh, a Junip song, Without You, for um, Inception. Not the movie, but the, the sort of the, the big uh, ad ad for the movie. And that was also uh, almost like a amazing video for that song because <laughs> so, you must have watched uh, that yeah, there's well. been yeah, yeah yeah i watched the movie and and then uh, so this was after the movie was done when they're gonna they were gonna make uh, yeah show it show it for one of the tv streaming companies but but yeah so there's been many moments when i feel like the music lives on and and that's a really sort of a comforting and, and nice feeling in a way uh, uh, comforting in the sense that I, I can relax, sit back in my chair.
care and, and uh, do more music or just uh, pay the rents with what's <laughs> coming in. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then fast forward, obviously today, like your your new album, you know, it's it's a six year hiatus. I think it, I think it's a six year hiatus from from the last kind of album. You know, what yeah. is the is the next one? And do, and do you ever feel pressure when releasing a new one? Not not really, because uh, I, I used to feel pressure that uh, I thought standard was to release one album every year. <laughs> and then uh, I had between my first and my second album was uh, four, four years, right? Three, 2003 and seven. So, so that felt like an eternity. But since then, I, I've uh, noticed that, uh, yeah, my, I release albums every third, al- uh, third year. And uh, I'm pretty comfortable with that, those time spans, because it's, uh, I get to sort of uh, have breaks in between, and uh, but also tour, tour a lot with, with one album, so I can really feel like the music comes, comes through. Uh, and then with three years, uh, it's enough time for people to forget a bit about you, so you can work on your own without pressure. But then... And start, people start to ask, okay, where where did he go? <laughs> then all of a sudden you have a new album. <laughs> so uh, it feels pretty good. And and this time around, it, it felt different, of course, with the six years. Since, since I toured with the orchestra, I released a live album with them and then became a dad and uh, spent more time than usual at home. And then the pandemic on top of that. <laughs> so, so yeah, instead of three, it became six years, uh, which is... Um, Totally fine with me. I, I think there's something that happens when um, for artists like me that I don't really need to be uh, where the action is or where the trends are. So uh, I'm probably uh, being more in a category like Teenage Fan Club or Dinosaur Junior, where you people sort of know what to get. It's just new songs. <laughs> And congratulations on being a dad, by the way, in, in that period of time. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what's, uh, what's, what, what's different this album in comparison to the others, do you think? Uh, I think what's clear for fans is that I'm uh, sounding more varied, more extrovert, adding guitar loops and, and, and vocal loops to, to uh, drum machines. So uh, I think that's what stands out for fans. I think for for People who don't know me that well, they they probably think uh, it's uh, another album, just like uh, you know, Dinosaur Junior releases <laughs> album after album, and they they sound similar. But but yeah, so personally, I feel like I'm more extrovert. I'm this is more in line with who I am. I feel so I'm more um, sort of open with my ideas. I'm I'm singing both my native tongues, Spanish and Swedish, apart from English. Uh, I'm being Goofy at time, I think that's <laughs> that's new, and uh, and yeah, deeper I would say. So I've been uh, one of my sort of main hobbies the last couple of years has been to listen to books, and and uh, I think that shows on on the lyrics. Uh, so so yeah, many many. It sounds, it sounds are, like this one's like unapologetically you. Oh yeah, yeah, and um, it is. Uh, I feel like I started with being. Uh, unapologetic <laughs> in uh, with my second album uh, in terms of the, the themes of, of the songs I that's that's when I wrote Abram which was a uh, sort of uh, I was joking around with a 
monotheistic religions. Uh, so in in, but it was more hidden in a way. And now with this album, I'm I just continued that thread and and uh, yeah, I'm apart from showing ideas that I think are interesting, I'm also showing styles that are that I'm inspired by. So so adding the drum machine has been something that I've thought about for for many years and. Uh, once I had half the album ready with only guitar and vocals, I felt like, okay, let's make the other half more fun. <laughs> uh, We're coming to the end of the episode and, and really appreciate you taking the time, Jose, as well. It's it, uh, one of the things I was really interested in. I mean, six years, you've obviously, as you mentioned there, you've got a few things that have been happening in your life, including COVID, which has happened in our, our, all of our lives. Yeah. But I wondered... You know, you said you still like love uh, listening to music, and 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 you and you, you know, you still enjoy. You know, you would have been listening to music while while you were at home, you know, before. But who are you looking forward to to kind of see and play with, and you know, at that festival level, you know, is there is there any bands that that at the moment that you you you're kind of like ah. Oh, even if it's bands that you've played with before that you're really looking forward just to see again who are your friends, but is is yeah. is there anyone that you're really like looking forward to see? Yeah, so so uh, when I say that I love music, it's I I have my playlists and I play them over and over again. <laughs> so I haven't been that. Uh, I, I used to be very good at uh, at finding new bands and and sort of really looking through all the the lists uh, that with with new music. So so I'm. I'm not super aware of of uh, what's uh, what's happening out there, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm, I'm mentioning a couple of artists. So Rosalia, uh, an artist from Barcelona initially, I think she lives in LA. Uh, she she made a beautiful debut album, and and then just recently I found out that uh, she also makes makes uh, reggaeton and like uh, sort of. Uh, yeah, very poppy music. That she would be fun to to see it on a on the main stage. <laughs> what and who else? are you uh, kind of like best friends in in music, Jose? Like, who are you like? Is there is there any ones that you're like really looking forward to seeing again once once it's all kind of opening up again? Oh yeah, yeah. So so I have my friends from from town, Sir Was, uh, who uh, released an amazing album. Uh, he's uh, he's been touring with me both with Junip and Solo. It's also uh, Barbarossa, who lives in UK, he also is part of my band, and yeah, and both of them just they they've been home just writing amazing music, and uh, so I really look forward to see them on stage, but also meet them. There's uh, Andres Renteria from LA, my congas player, that uh, he's all always involved in different bands, and and uh, he has his own music, but uh, and he guests and. But yeah, so so lots of people that I'm looking forward to, and and of course my my friends in Berlin, Petzenacht, who's uh, the main one of the main guys uh, behind the, the string theory, the the orchestra that I've toured with a bit, and he's also a, a very eclectic and and uh, and fun fun guy that I'm looking forward to 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 see on stage and and meet. <laughs> Awesome. Um, Jose Gonzalez, it's been a pleasure and it's great to speak to you. Massive Likewise. fan of yours as well. It's really, it's really been great um, to have you on the podcast and thank you, for, yeah. thank you for, thank you for doing it. Oh, thank you. This episode of the 212 podcast was edited by Podlack. 
we provide expert editing and production for podcasts and content creators. Find us at podlike.online.